Hey everybody, this is Lil. You're tuning into the practice segment where we talk about available tools you can use to practice this concept. Thank you for the feedback also that's come through from a couple people who've shared that the most recent episode shows up first. So if this is the first time you're tuning in for this topic, remember to go back and listen to the stories first. Um, or you can just join here. But if you want to listen to all three, it's the stories, which is the storytelling from my life, the concept, which is about the theory, and this one's about the practice. Okay, so talking about the practice of goal setting, the good news is you don't have to start from scratch. There's an amazing tool that was created by SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. That's about the eight dimensions of wellness. And the eight dimensions of wellness are posted on my Insta at LilOnLivePod. And I'm going to walk you through what each domain is and propose some creative applications possibly or a couple possibilities in each domain. But I really want to share that these are just possible interpretations of these and they mean different things to everybody, which is why it's really important that if you're creating your goals list and or doing this reflection for the first time, that you're really thinking about how these things show up in your life and what they mean to you. But these are a couple ideas or examples to get you started. If you look at the picture, it's displayed as a circle because these things are interconnected. And the idea of the eight dimensions of wellness and what SAMHSA says about it is that wellness is not the absence of illness. It's about the practice of intentionally supporting your well-being and taking actions towards your well-being. It's kind of similar to the distinction between something like positive psychology and more diagnostic type of psychology. So the emotional dimension of wellness is about coping with life and creating satisfying relationships. So this one is all about the connections I have with others as well as myself. And the myself part of this is really new to me. It's really only been since since I really started to pay attention to myself as part of the process of this goal creation that I wanted to create a better relationship with myself. After all, in some ways, death is a reminder that the only person you're guaranteed to be with for the entirety of your life is yourself. And I know I've alluded to, to self-compassion and I am going to do a session on it um, soon. And part of that self-compassion was also getting to know myself. And it's kind of a strange thing to say because as someone who's known myself for a long time or had high self-awareness, what I meant was more meeting myself as a friend and being able to then build that relationship and support myself in how I would a friend. It's also about things like building our resilience. It can be about doing group activities with people. And one of the nice things about the dimensions of wellness is that you can also, you can double them up. So let's say, for example, you have a group of people that you have a book club with. That could be a combination of the emotional and the intellectual. Or let's say that you have a, a group that you work out with, and that would be a possible emotional and physical um, combination of the dimensions. So it's not as though you have to look at these in isolation, but the emotional one in particular is about having that life where you feel like you have community, where you feel like you belong. The financial section is a fascinating because it holds more stigma than even mental illness. People will more readily say, I am really struggling. My mental health is not well. 
before they will say, I'm really financially struggling. That stigma from mental health has come down and we have to do more to bring down the stigma about our financial well-being as well because it is a very scary and isolating feeling to feel like you are not in the financial position you need to be. And obviously there are gradients within that because some people may perceive not feeling financially well is not being able to afford to go on a vacation, um, whereas somebody else's might be not being able or confident you can afford dinner for that day. So our financial well-being is all about the ways we support our well-being from a financial perspective. And sometimes that can be talking about it. Sometimes that can be planning around it and preparedness. Sometimes it can be about seeking assistance or support. So again, it can mean lots of different things, but one of the reasons that I like that this is on here is because it puts us in a place of reflection and forces us in some ways to think about what our relationship is with this bucket. Shifting to our social bucket, this is really, it's similar to the emotional for me in the sense that it's about developing that sense of connection and well-being, having a support system. So where it distinguishes from the emotional for me is about how the self navigates the interpersonal world, whereas the social for me is about the community and connections, the support systems, which can include accountability buddies. And so even through the practice of creating goals, you can connect socially with people to say, hey, I am doing this goal. And what are your goals and how can we support one another? I want to do a whole thing about social connection. So I'm going to save some of my comments here and, and reserve that for the conversation on social connections and loneliness. But what to take away here is this is about your relations with others in the world. The next one on here is spiritual, which is about expanding your sense of purpose and meaning in life. That's what SAMHSA says. And this one is a really interesting one. And for people who've done the VIA survey, uh, spirituality shows up for some people. And this one has been a really fascinating one to get into conversations with people around. Because for some people, that spirituality is expressed through faith. For somebody else, that might be expressed through feeling like there's something bigger than us out there, feelings of community or connection or purpose. For somebody else, it might be about a yoga practice or somebody else, an, an anecdote somebody else shared was more like a motivating or uplifting meme. And we all have different expressions of these things, but it's about really connecting with what speaks to you. And for my friends on the line, what you you probably know that I have, I have talked about being atheist or a-religious at points in my life. And something that's really standing out in the aftermath of the loss of my mom there's something in me that likes to believe that she is out there. And so I can almost suspend my disbelief in, in a way that served me. But for me, it doesn't necessarily mean it's something beyond this realm. Something that I've been really thinking about is that we have the life we have and what lives on after us is the impact we had. So the concept of legacy is something that I think is really interesting and is my expression of spirituality. And I think maybe... Uh, part of this podcast is a, is a bit of that, is in creating something that could live on beyond me and how, whatever that looks like, but that fosters meaning 
and in the service of, of good, or at least, as you know, I love thinking that I am helping. So that is the belief I'm holding about this, that this is connecting. And that fills my spiritual bucket, although that might not be something someone would traditionally think about in this bucket. The next is occupational. And this is about really getting personal satisfaction from the work you do. I have stumbled into my career pretty accidentally. And if somebody told me I would be doing the things I am doing now five years ago, I probably would have thought they were completely off. And I've been doing the same thing I'm doing now for four years. So that's not a major delta from when I held that belief to where I am now. And sometimes people come to me for career guidance and some people really just want to kind of climb a ladder or follow a process or know what's next, and that's okay. And that might be fulfilling to somebody who is higher on things like excelling energy, and that is just fine. The excelling energy reference there is about a, another assessment called the IDI, which maybe one day I'll talk about. But if anyone's familiar with it, that's the reference there. But my approach to my career planning and what I generally say to people is reflect on your career the different experiences you've had and think about what gave you fulfillment and joy as part of that. Because for me, starting as a scientist, although I loved the the analysis part of it, and not so much, I, I do love data and I love analytics, but I no longer hold the joy or the love for the actual processing of the information. I much rather have someone do that for me and then I can receive the interpretations and also help to form interpretations and then kind of design from there. Um, and that is a skill that is transferable. So I can look at how that shows up in my world now, and I still get to use that practice. But what I didn't like about it was the day-to-day -day experience of being in a lab or being isolated because I am quite extroverted and I have high needs in the social buckets and the relational buckets. And so it, it wasn't fulfilling for me. And I've almost done this reflection with every transition and I've, I've been different people professionally in my life at this point and probably will be a few more before it's all done. But that for me is how you get the most satisfaction in your occupational bucket is in really paying attention to the transferable skills and trying to maximize how you can express those and noticing the things that take energy from you as well and seeing how much of that or how overrepresented that is in your day to day because you're spending roughly eight hours a day at minimum. We know that so many people are putting in so much more than that, but at a minimum, it's eight hours. And if you're not fulfilled by that, it just, it's going to drain the rest of your day and it's going to creep into other domains. Also, as someone who loves what I do, I can say that things that I love make the harder bits for me easier to weather. Okay, so the next one on here is physical. So this is all about recognizing the need for physical activity, movement, sleep, diet, nutrition. Our physical bodies need to be taken care of for us to feel well. If you're not feeling physically well, you're also not feeling psychologically well. And the same is true and vice versa. We're not neck up and neck down people. And when we are leaning into and supporting our physical health, we're also supporting our psychological health. And so some of the areas to pay attention to here, if you're kind of thinking about where to start, and it doesn't have to be the run a marathon. I, I have a goal that I'm, I haven't put it on my official goals list yet because I'm not 100% convinced that I, that I really want it, but is to run a 1K 
run. And I know for people who are runners, and my husband actually just looked at me and rolled his eyes. So I hate running. And I don't know why this is a goal for me. I think part of it is just to feel like I did it. Um, but I don't love running. I, I actually quite dislike running. So I, I may not do it. But it is something I'm thinking about. So the reason I share that is you, your goal doesn't have to be run a marathon. It can be walk a block every day. It can be walk a block one time a week. It can be just get out of the house once a day. It doesn't have to be any set criteria. And sometimes we can make goals that are bigger than we're kind of able to achieve. And we're going to talk about smart goals in a moment. So I'll get into more detail on that. But physical activity or exercise, sleep is so incredibly important. As much as we don't want to think of ourselves as mechanical beings, we are and we need our batteries recharged as well. And something that resonates with me is how much more kindness I offer my phone versus myself. And what I mean by that is if my phone starts dropping battery and maybe it's earlier in the day than I, than I would expect it to be at a certain battery level, which is also a funny thing to think about because I don't think about my battery level throughout the day as much as I should. But let's say it was five o'clock and I'm expecting my phone to be still quite full because I've had my working day, but for some reason it's not. It's, it's much depleted. Whether I used it more than I should have or the battery is defective or something, I would be attuned to that and I would start looking for a charger. But I don't offer that to myself. And if I did, maybe I would be kinder to my body and help it get more rest when it needs it so that it can function optimally. Because we are functioning, but functioning shouldn't be the goal. Functioning optimally is, is something to strive towards. And even those micro improvements, millimeter shifts can help get us there. So sleep, we need it. And it's not just about the, the number of hours of sleep. It's about the quality of sleep. And there are a lot of biological elements. The great one is very interested in, in perimenopause these days. And again, that's a clue for anyone trying to figure out who the great one is. But the great one talking perimenopause for women, this might actually be an indicator if your sleep is being disrupted, that it's, it's not just all in your mind. It, it could have a biological basis. So a good reminder if you're noticing a change to speak to a healthcare professional as well, um, because sleep is so important. So finding ways to recharge our batteries matters. Diet and nutrition, much of the serotonin that is produced in our bodies is produced in our gut. And so what we eat, how we eat it, all of these sorts of things really matters. And I am not an expert in this space. I would love to have somebody on the show. And I think I have somebody in mind who could speak to this. I'd love to, to have people get into more of these domains and help to explain what each of them are with more expertise to give those of you listening some ideas to, to build out your goals. So stay tuned for that. The next on here is intellectual. And this is about recognizing creative abilities and finding ways to expand knowledge and skills. So for me, the intellectual can be about um, researching and reading things like this. It can also be about creative expressions. I never thought of myself as a creative person, but I've really been able to see shifts in myself, including this podcast, as being an expression of that intellectual, but also the creative expression. So Intellectual can sometimes be intimidating for people and can feel very academic. Some of the love of learning people, again, that's a VIA survey reference. 
people who just are constantly looking to learn new things. It might be about learning about a topic you know nothing about and just exploring in that space. But whatever it looks like for you, it's about that intellectual and stimulation. And then the last one on here is environmental. And the environmental is about creating good health by occupying pleasant, stimulating environments that support well-being. So that can be your home environment and can be expressed, let's say, in combination with something like the intellectual creativity and home decor. It might be time in nature. That's a big one for me. It might be just about being present in the moment in where you are. So something that I've really gotten into the practice of doing right now, and that gives me a lot of calm, is going into the lake and being in the water and doing a grounding activity of five things I can see, four things I can hear. It can be the, the chirping of birds. It can be the crashing of water, the movement of leaves, the little things that we're, we're not paying attention to. It's about paying attention to the things we're not paying attention to. And this can be applied through the grounding practice in any of your senses. So five things you can see, four things you can hear, three things you can feel, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste or a, t a taste that you like. And that just helps me be in that moment, in that environment, really present and grounded uh, in a way that gives me such calming fulfillment. And, and you know what? Actually, this one's not on my list for this year, but I'm going to add more grounding practices, more of that specific grounding practice. And the nice thing about it is you can do it quite quickly. Um, but it's just so soothing and connecting to the present moment. I've, I've explained the dimensions of wellness in a lot of detail here, and the, it's going to go a little bit faster from here because now it's how to apply it. So the first thing you're going to do is, in reflecting on each of those domains, make a list of the things that you want. Um, a coaching question that sometimes people ask is, if you had a magic wand, what might you do? Or what might you have in this domain, for example, or this dimension? And then since you're coming up with things on your list and some of those things because you have a magic wand might be magical, it might be about sitting in the reflection of what is a small or practical step you can take to get closer to that goal. So even if it is something maybe magical, let's say you your magic wand is to fly to the moon. I might encourage you to explore what draws you to that. Is it a sense of adventure? Is it an interest in space? or the moon, or planets, the intergalactic world? Is it an interest in flight? Is it about the history of the moon landing? It can be any of those things that can take something magical and make you connect to a goal you might want to set for yourself. And it doesn't have to be big steps. It can be small steps. Let's say it is about having an interest in reading about the history of the moon landing. Well, there are books you can read about that, and maybe you can make a goal of reading one book. Or if what excites you about that is the spirit of adventure, then you can plan an adventure. And like I said in one of the other segments, this podcast is an example of a goal for me that I had actually put it on my goals last year, but I didn't do, well, I thought I didn't do anything with it. That was my, that was a bit of the narrative I was holding for a little bit because I, the goal I had written was do a podcast or launch a podcast and I didn't, but I didn't realize in reflecting upon it, I had taken small steps, including looking into what this could look like, starting to record some things. So I had to do a few things first. I had to break it down into those small steps. And even though I didn't do it last year, it made it on my goals list this year. And here we are. So once you've made your longer list of things, and once you've kind of 
demystified some of the magic behind it and made them into more concrete things you can do for the year, you can start to shortlist the items you have on there. For any corporate athletes in the room, you've probably heard the acronym SMART. So a SMART goal is something that is specific, it's measurable, it's attainable, it's realistic, and it's time-bound. Let's say with this podcast, for example, a specific goal might be that I am aiming to produce an episode weekly. So is that measurable? Yes. Was it achieved or not? Uh, is it attainable? That is to be determined. And if it doesn't happen, if one week I don't make it, or I don't have any new content, then I apologize. Um, but this is just something I am making for myself. And so I'm testing the attainability of the goal I have set. And sometimes you have to do it to assess whether it is attainable or whether it is realistic. And if it's not attainable, then you can adjust. So is it realistic? Well, right now it is realistic if I dedicate time to it at certain intervals in my evenings and my weekends. And there may be weeks where that is more realistic. If let's say I don't have social plans that weekend or I've fallen behind and I want to make sure I'm recording um, and then I'm dedicating time for it. And again, it gives us that intentionality when it is a goal. But sometimes you're managing conflicting goals like my social or relational goals with, with my podcasting goal and we get to make decisions about which one we are choosing, which ones align with our values most or which ones are going to recharge us the most. And again, we're going to talk about values a lot more, but it's, it's about really connecting and doing that inventory. And it can be changed. It can be agile. It can be that you realize, you know what, I thought what I needed today was to do the podcast, but maybe what I need is actually to have some connection time with a friend or do a workout or something else that I need more in this moment. So we can, we can be agile. But when you're making your annual goals, it's not really about the day-to-day. -day. It's about um, planning for the long run. So you're going to decide on your short list. And once you have all of them laid out, you're going to do another attainable, realistic from the SMART acronym check. Because sometimes a goal in isolation can be attainable or realistic, but then you write out 100 more goals and then it's no longer attainable or realistic. So that's where the values filter comes in. That's where going through and saying, which of these are the deal breakers if they don't happen? And making sure that those get prioritized accordingly. So having your short list and writing them out, running them through this filter, finalizing what they are, writing them down or whatever process works for you, helps you to really know what it is and to have a way to check in on your progress. I look at my goals pretty regularly. Again, they're favorited on my phone. So this allows me to look at them I look at them almost every week to say, okay, am I, am I in alignment with myself? What's my progress towards this? Have I noticed any barriers? What can I update, revise, or remove even of the goals? Or what can I delay? Because you're the ultimate decision maker. This is for you and the only person you're accountable to is you. And you can build further accountability by telling someone about your goals, having that accountability buddy, um, and also having clear agreements with that accountability that what you're looking for is support. So if you don't maybe make a goal, that's fine, but what, when are you going to catch up? And that's the thing about accountability. It's, it's about proactive communication if something isn't going to happen in reflection to it and what the decision point is, what the action you can take to correct it if it's something you want to change. So let's say I was to say to my accountability buddy, I didn't do my workout this week, um, which I didn't, by the way, and I'm not super happy with myself, but I, I injured myself. So I'm giving myself some grace and I realize that my body needs the rest 
more than I need the workout. So I might say to my accountability buddy, I am fully planning to get back to it when I'm feeling a little bit better. And I have made the choice to uh, accept that this goal is not going to be met this week. And I'll let you know when I'm feeling better so that I can get back on it. And I know that feels vulnerable. And I know that a lot of people, myself included, feel unworthy of the space we hold sometimes and feel like we're burdening people if we share things like this with them. But we need communities. And again, I will reserve a lot of my comments here until the conversation about social connections. But when we are accountable, when we have communicated something, written it for ourselves and communicated to others, it also incentivizes us to do it. But again, and I want, I, I can't say this enough, this isn't about getting into a shame spiral. Part of the reason I like looking at my data and looking at whether I'm tracking towards something or not is because it is information to me. And that information might be if I'm consistently not doing something towards a goal or if every time I look at a goal, I go, ugh that maybe it shouldn't be part of my goals. And maybe a change needs to be made. Sometimes those inputs are good indicators to us because we can really endure through things or have shoulds and narratives about things that we should be building towards when really they're not serving us or maybe they're adding stress or pressure unnecessarily in a moment and could we still want to do them, but they just need to be moved to a later time or they're just not going to work out right now and we can notice if it's something that's producing shame in us. And if we notice that, we can check in on ourselves and decide what we want. So do we want to keep that goal? Do we want to change that goal? Do we want to change something about it? Delay it? Or if it is something we really want to be working towards and we're disappointed it's not happening and it is really important to us, then it's about looking at what we can remove, what barriers or obstacles we can take away to get there. So... I think what that honors is that things change and we can change goals anytime. And in looking at this regularly also, what we can do is celebrate and recognize the small steps we are taking towards progress. Because if we measure ourselves by just the outcome, we miss celebrating the process. And there are celebrations within the process. So all of this is about getting out of our own way and creating a balanced scorecard that works in alignment with ourselves and is closer to our purpose, even if we don't exactly know what that is yet. Stay tuned for a future session on purpose and mission. That's going to be part of a future episode. But for now, we're going to wrap up this practice segment. I'd really love to hear what you liked in it and if you've set any goals. And please remember to like, follow, and leave a five-star review if you're enjoying this. Thank you for being part of this journey with me and for celebrating this goal with me. This is Lil, and you're listening to Lil on Life. If you'd like to reach out, you can get me on my Gmail at lilonlifepod at gmail.com. Lil on Life podcast is produced by Brandon and Company. You can find his work on Instagram at Brandon Allen. Lil on Life is a Big B and Little L collaboration. Opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and may not reflect those of my employers. If you or someone you know is in danger, please dial 911. In Canada, if you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, call or text 988. Support is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. That number again is 988.